Chapter 4 Preliminary Work for the British Codebreakers As the Enigma was developed right after the First World War and began to be deployed by the various parts of the German armed forces and government departments during the 1920s, the other European nations, and especially their intelligence services, took note of this new cipher machine long before the outbreak of the Second World War. One of those nations was Poland. With the rise of the Nazi regime, they realized the growing danger of their aggressive neighbor in the West, along with Russia in the East, and got interested in intercepting foreign military communications. They were very successful in deciphering Russian messages in the Russian-Polish War, 1920-21. Also, a lot of German messages were decrypted, but that stopped in 1926, when the Enigma came into play. But help was also coming from Germany. Hans Thilo Schmidt was an employee of the Schiffriestelle, the German Office for Cryptographic Communications. His military career had not been successful, neither was an attempt to build up a soap factory. He was almost destitute and disappointed by the German state and envious of his brother, who was Chief of Staff of the Signal Corps and therefore responsible for the sanction of the Enigma in the German army. Schmidt made plans to sell secret Enigma documents to foreign countries to get both revenge and money. In 1931, he allowed a French spy in Brussels to photograph Enigma instruction manuals for 10,000 marks. The French Cryptographic Bureau was not able to use this information properly, but passed it on to the Polish intelligence service. With the secret documents, it was able to build an adequate replica of the Enigma machine, but not to decipher any messages. Therefore, the key was necessary. Bureau Chefruf, the Polish cipher bureau, acquired a commercial version of the Enigma at the beginning of the 1930s, which was slightly different to the military version. As the crypt analysts had to deal with a mechanical cipher, more and more mathematicians were recruited instead of linguists, who were in charge of crypt analysis until then. Most of the new analysts were recruited from the University of Poznan, not because it was the best university, but because of its close distance to the German border. The city was German until 1918, therefore the people spoke German fluently. One of the most talented mathematicians was Marian Riesky. He focused on the message key, which was repeated twice at the beginning of each message. As the key was sent at the very beginning of the enciphered part of each message, it had to be directly related to the daily keys. The first and fourth letter in ciphertext were equal in plain text, and the same goes for the second, fifth, and the third, sixth letters. So there was a relationship between those letters. If Ryevsky received enough messages during one day, he could complete a full alphabet of relationships. By analyzing these letters in terms of patterns, he found out that there were chains of letters. For example, A was connected to C, C to L, L to O, and O finally to A. These chains changed every day, both their length and the arrangement of the letters. 
Rejewski had a profound insight and detected that the lengths of these chains were influenced only by the scrambler unit, the rotors. The Stecker board connections swapped letters but did not alter the length of the chains. This insight reduced the number of possible daily keys from 10 to the power of 15 down to 105,456, the product of rotor arrangements 6 and rotor orientation 17,576. Although this is also a relatively high number, it was, quote, within the realm of human endeavor. Ryevsky and his colleagues created a catalogue for the chain lengths of all 105,456 rotor settings. They even built an electromechanical machine, which included three rotors equal to those in the Enigma, to automatically deduce the chain lengths, the cyclometer. It took them nearly a year to complete this catalogue, which was a major step towards the finding of the daily keys. To find the daily rotor settings, the analysts collected enough intercepted messages to complete the letter chains. Then they compared the chain lengths with their catalogue to find the ring setting with the same lengths. They could now decrypt the messages, but still had to find out the steckered letters. As the analysts were speaking German, they could guess them most of the time by analyzing the deciphered text by looking at vaguely recognizable phrases. For example, the term W-E-R-R-E-T-B-E-T-I-C-H-R should presumably be Wetterbericht, which meant that the letters R and T were steckered. In 1938, the Germans changed their way to transmit messages, which made the catalogue useless. Instead of building a new one, Marian Rejewski developed a mechanized solution to find the settings the Bomber Kryptologichna. As there were six possible scrambler arrangements to check, he had to run six Bombi in a parallel way that were running through the 17,576 settings. They needed about two hours to find the daily key. Henrik Zigalski, one of Ryevsky's colleagues, developed another method to find the daily key. He concentrated on the occurrence of females, which were independent from the Steckerboard settings. This method involved perforated paper sheets with 51 by 51 matrices standing for the rotor positions that had holes at the positions where the females occurred. They were named after the founder, Zagalski Sheets. About 10 messages with females were necessary, then he could pile up the corresponding sheets. After each new sheet, the number of visible apertures would decrease, finally showing the possible rotor settings that allowed these 10 females. These could then be tested on the Enigma replica. Agent Asher, as Hans Thilo Schmidt was called, continued to meet with French agents for seven years and delivered to them a total of 38 codebooks, which included daily keys for the German Enigma operators. These codebooks were always passed on to the Polish cipher bureau by the French, but they were never used. The chief of Bureau Chefruf, Major Guido Langer, kept them secret from his analysts to have them practice their code-breaking skills for the time when Agent Asher would not deliver codebooks anymore. This time came in 1938, when the Germans increased the number of rotors from three to five and the number of stackered letters from 6 to 10. 
Rievsky's methods and the bomber were not successful anymore, and Bureau Shefruf did not have the resources to cope with the new challenge, both financially and personnel-wise. A couple of weeks before the German attack on Poland in 1939, the Polish codebreakers met with French intelligence officers and also British analysts from Bletchley Park to share with them all their knowledge and to hand over to them their Enigma replica. Marian Rejewski and his colleagues had to abandon their work and escape to France. Rejewski continued his escape from France to the UK and was transferred to a minor intelligence unit in Boxmoor, which was not working on Enigma ciphers and did not play a major role in crypt analysis anymore during the rest of the Second World War. There are only vague descriptions why the brilliant Polish mines were not transferred to Bletchley Park. Rejewski did not notice the importance of his work as the basis for the British codebreakers until the declassification of the Ultra documents and the publication of The Ultra Secret in 1974. More than 30 years later, 